Good evening, my name is Mercury Payton. I'm one of the elders here at Delray Baptist Church. Um, we're gonna to start tonight by looking at God's word from Romans 8.28. And if you all would please stand as we read God's word, you'll find it on page 944 in the Bible in the pews in front of you. Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Please be seated. Tonight's message is entitled, Holding On When Life is Hard. Holding On When Life is Hard. And the main point of this passage the big idea is God is working for good. God is working for good. Now I know that many of us in this room may ask God from time to time, is that really true? Many of us may be asking if God is really working for good. And we may be asking this question because of circumstances that we are facing right now. Many in this room may be going through certain situations that we could only pray about because we don't know what the answers are in this moment. I remember a circumstance years ago that caused me to ask God if he really is working good because of a tragedy that hit our family. A little more than 10 years ago, my cousin Joel was murdered. We were living at, in my parents' house. We were about to move into our townhouse. And Andrea was home uh, with my parents when my mother got the call. And she heard my mother react as an aunt would. Is this really happening? Why did this happen? Is he really dead? And my mom calls me and she tells me at work. And our hearts sank uh, to have him shot to death multiple times. He was just three years younger than, than me and, and, and he and, and my younger brother, and I mean, we would go to cookouts at my grandmother's house and, and hang out and to hear this. I remember asking God, how are you working good by my cousin being murdered? So we're going to examine God's word here that's going to help us to answer this type of a question. In Romans 8.28, it's a good place for us to be. There are three points we're going to cover tonight that will help us get at this. The first is, do you love God? The second is, God is working for good. And the third is, wait on the Lord. 
And in the end, we will consider some ways that we can hold on when life is hard. Now, Paul is writing here to the church in Rome. And we see this in chapter 1, verse 8. Actually, it's verse 7, not verse 8. So bear with me. And I'll read the passage here, Romans 1, 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know from verse 7 that Paul is writing this letter to Christians. That is the first observation we should keep in mind. So to better understand this passage, we know that this word is for his people. And to get a better context, we need to look at the verses that precede verse 28. So let's look at verses 26 and 27. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So as Christians, we need help with our prayers. God aligns our real need, our deep need within us with the will of God through his Holy Spirit interceding for us. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that as Christians, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us? Now, to receive this help from the Holy Spirit, a person must be saved. They must be a Christian. Now, remember a few minutes ago, we just read that Paul is writing this letter to Christians in Rome. So the people benefiting from the help that comes from the Holy Spirit are people who belong to God. So this takes us to our first point. It's a question. Do you love God? Do you love God? Put another way, as you sit here tonight, are you a Christian? So only Christians truly love God. Looking back at our text in verse 28, we are taught the promise from God, all things work together for good, is for those who love God. This is a promise for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and to be made one with the Father and, and to be given peace with the Father in heaven. So in verse 28 here, we need to look at this first part. And we know that for those who love God, that first part there, we need to focus on that. Because if we're going to get at this promise, we need to know how it is that we love him. So can we really know if we love God? How would we know that? Well, we can know this based on what the scriptures say about loving God. If you turn to John chapter 14, it will show us how we can know. In verses 23 to 24, and, and you can read that as you turn there, but I will, I will read that for us now. Jesus answered him, this is verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Verse 24, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So the question remains, 
Are you keeping the words of Jesus? Do you read his word? Do you pray? Does the Father love you in a way that he makes his home with you? Now, there may be times where we may doubt if God really loves us, but, how, but the Bible tells us that we are to love him and that we love him because he first loved us. If we do not keep the words of Jesus, then we do not love him. And if we do not love Jesus, there's no way that we can love God. Our second point is God is working for good. God is working for good. If we love God, then we know that all things work together for our good because we love him. I know that some of us are thinking tonight about what Paul has written here because it's a hard saying, because we can see the chaos in this world. We see the strife and difficulty every day. But in Paul's day, it was no different. In Rome, Rome was brutal to its people, brutal to Jews, brutal to Gentiles, brutal to anyone under its authority. So Paul was well aware of this hardship that Rome put on his people. So we can identify with the words he's saying here because of what happened there. How can it be that God is working for good? How is it that good is happening for those who love God? Often the ones who love God are the ones who suffer the most. We just heard a few moments ago reports from Nigeria, reports from Kenya, people who stand firmly on Jesus Christ, the one who saved their souls, the one who forgave them of their sins, yet there's persecution. There's also all manner of sickness. There's political turmoil at every turn, ethnic divisions everywhere you look, economic hardships, sins that seem to vex us over and over, loneliness, and the list goes on and on. So how can this be that all things work together for good? Well, we have to stand on God's word. And in Romans 8.28, that middle part of that verse says here, all things work together for good. But notice, Paul does not say here that all things are good. Notice that God is teaching us that all things work together for good, but not all things are good. And I can give you an example. When I was around seven years old or so, and our family was at my grandmother's house, we called her Ma, and I remember I was in the kitchen trying to get around my grandmother, and I'm a little, little dude. And I said something like, Ma, you're so fat, can I just get around? And before I knew it, my dad was right there, and he snatched me up, and he said, what did you say, boy? And he took me upstairs, and I got the spanking. And then he said, you come back downstairs, and you tell Ma that you're not going to ever say that again. Now, in that moment, that spanking was not good. I don't care what y'all say, spankers don't feel good, okay? All right? But ultimately, it was for my good, because my dad was teaching me, respect your grandmother. 
respect other people. You don't say things like that. And that kind of a lesson in the moment, administered through some pain that was not good, worked ultimately for my good because in my life that lesson carried forward. Something that is not good in the moment can still work together for our ultimate good because as Christians, we look to heaven. We are looking to an everlasting life of Jesus, the one who died on the cross for our sins. We are yearning for an everlasting fellowship with Jesus, the creator of all life. Now, if we look at our circumstances in our life in this moment, in this second, our emotions will be up and down, one minute to the next. Good days come, bad days come. Good days go, and bad days go. Our brother Garrett just finished a sermon series on Ecclesiastes, where we learn from him that if what happens in this life is it, then we are certainly doomed to despair because we are all going to die someday and anything that we have worked for in this life will rot away. Even the good things that we have done will have no value as they will be in the past, quickly forgotten, years and centuries roll on, and none of us can escape it. Even as we look to an everlasting life with Jesus, how does work through difficult circumstances in our lives bring glory to his name? He works through these difficult situations to forgive people of their sins. He works through these situations to encourage his people. It is easy to accept life when things are going well. When things go bad as Christians, we find it hard to believe that these bad things are working together for our good. But we're in the middle of a bad situation, whether it is a self-inflicted situation because of our own sin, or put on us by others who sin against us, it sure does not feel like it is for our good. But for people who do not love God, it is true that these things do not work together for their good because they do not love God. Now, people who do not love God may enjoy many things in this life, but those things are temporary. Wealth, status, the appearance of everything going well in their life the way that they want is temporary and not what they seem. Now, we know that no one has smooth sailing in this life. However, for the sake of being real here, we should admit that many of us would like some of these comforts that others have. However, if we look deeper into their lives beyond the mask that people hide behind who do not love God, then we will see their life is not as grand as they would make it seem. In fact, they have the same sin-filled problems that all of us have. When the scriptures say that all things work together for good, this has to have eternity in view. And we know that those who do not love God will not enter into eternity with peace with him. Those who do not love God will receive his wrath. Now, as we look at an example from the Old Testament of someone who went through great mistreatment, it will show us and demonstrate how God works together for good for his people and for those who love him. An example is from Joseph. He's someone in the Old Testament that we 
can point to that went through these types of situations. In Genesis chapter 35, we see that he was born and had 11 brothers, and they had different, different mothers than him. Many of them did. Chapter 37, we see that as a 17-year-old, he brought a bad report that his brothers didn't like. They hated him, they wanted to kill him, and they put him into a pit. And then they said, well, let's not kill him, let's just make some money off of him and sell him off. So they sell him off to the Ishmaelites, and then he sold to the Egyptians, and he's owned by a man named Potiphar, and then he's put into prison for two years for a crime he did not commit. He's 30 years old when he's released from prison. And now God has him second in command to Pharaoh. And then we see in Genesis 45 these words in verse 5. For God sent me before you. Verse 8. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And then we see in chapter 50, Joseph says this when his brothers are scared because now Dad's, dad is not alive anymore. So now they're thinking, okay, Joseph's going to really get us back now. This is what Joseph says to them in Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So there were moments along the way in Joseph's life where he probably thought his life would end right there. He's in the pit. He's thinking he's done. As a slave, he's like, this is not a good situation. I'm never getting out. Bound in Egypt with no sign of ever seeing his family again. Not good. In prison wrongly, not good. But God meant it all for ultimate good. Which brings us to our third point here. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. As Christians, we're to wait on him. He knows what he's doing. He's in control. We should read God's promise again in verse 28 of chapter 8. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And as we are called, we wait on the Lord according to that promise. It's his purpose. And to get a greater context, let's look at verses 29 and 30. 29. For those for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. So do all things really work together for our good? This life is so hard. Even when good things happen, it's often followed by something difficult. What is the point of it all? Well, for the Christian, the point of it all is that we're to be conformed to the image of the Father's Son. We're to be conformed to the image of Jesus. The point of it all is to be justified before the Father. The point of it all is life forever with Jesus and to be glorified by him. We are tempted in this life to despair. We are tempted to soothe ourselves with entertainment. We're tempted to soothe ourselves with our favorite sin. 
But the Bible says, wait on the Lord and he will renew our strength. Sometimes at the end of a hard situation, we will see what God is doing. We'll say, okay, all right, I get it. Now I know why I went through that. Other times we'll go through a situation and have no clue why we just experienced that hardship. But we always know God's purpose is for his people to be made to the image of his son. So how do we apply this in our everyday lives? How do we now take God's word from this place tonight and how do we use this tonight, tomorrow, and the next day? Well, first, if you are not a Christian and you're here tonight, believe in him tonight. Believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins so that you may be made right with him. Now, if you are a Christian, then we are to learn from Paul, the author of both Romans and Philippians, as he wrote in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Know that in your living with little or much, you live for Christ. It is Christ who gives you strength when you are weak. It is Christ who actually gives you strength when you're strong. So even when you think that you're doing something that is good or wonderful, that comes from the Lord. And when you're in that moment when you're saying, God, why? That is from the Lord. Know that we are here to give the world's truth and salvation to encourage God's people. The purpose of this life is to not make our own little kingdoms and our own little comfortable situations so that we can kick back and be our own little gods. No, our purpose on this earth is to point people to Christ. If you are a Christian, know that in the midst of your hard situation, right now, God is with you. He is there. He will use you for good because you love him, even in your pain. As painful as what you're going through right now may be, know it is working together for good according to his purpose. As I think back about my cousin, Joel, I remember the good times we had. I remember one of the most memorable conversations that we had, one of the final ones, and it was years before his death. We were at an Oriole game with my dad and my grandfather. We called him Daddy Bill. And I remember that conversation, me and my cousin talking about the girls that we liked, about women, what we liked about them, what we didn't. It was such a wasteful conversation. How trivial. I didn't share the gospel with them. I didn't say things that were encouraging to him that were of value. It was shallow. I used my words carelessly. Now, he may have been a Christian. I don't know the answer to that. But I know that at least for me, God used Joel's death to shake me to my core in that moment because I thought I had more time to share the gospel with them. 
I thought I had more time to have more encouraging words with them. You see, just a week or two before that, we were with them. We were with them. And I thought I had more time. God used that moment to teach me. We don't know if we have more time. I don't know if I have more time. I don't know if you have more time. And God's word is important because life is at stake. Eternal destiny is at stake. There's a sense of urgency that we must have because God's word is true. And he wants all people to hear his truth. That's what I learned from that situation as hard as it is. Now, for others who are impacted by this situation, there may be other ways that God has impacted them for good. I don't know the answer to that. But then there are others, and I know close family members who still are hit hard by that today, 15 years later, and they ask the question, why? And sometimes we just won't know the answer. But we know this. How do we hold on when times are hard? by holding on to God's word and to his promises, even when it is hard, and especially when it is hard. May God be glorified. Please pray with me.